Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Healing School. Um, normally we're, of course, at church, but uh, Chris uh, um, has contracted COVID somewhere, so um, we're not sure where that was. And we don't get out that often and go see a bunch of different folks, but um, uh, she's recovering well and is feeling good and um, getting better every day. And we expect this to pass quickly and and I uh, have no lasting complications from it. And so um, she's doing whatever the, the nurse told her to do. And of course we quarantine here um, uh, at the house. And so um, all is well, amen. And so, um, but we'll continue on with uh, our regular healing school today here at the house and uh, Wednesday night service will also broadcast that from our house here as well and then we'll be back in church uh, next Sunday so um, so why don't we uh, open up in a word of prayer and then we'll get started today so Father we thank you uh, for blessing us each and every day Father we thank you that you are still the healer Father you're the healer of COVID you're the healer of all sickness and disease Father you are not the source of sickness and disease Father you're the healer of sickness and disease and Father, we put our trust in you, Father. And although we uh, follow the guidelines of men, our faith is in you, Father. Our faith is in you that you're the supernatural healer, that you strengthen our bodies for healing, Father. And so Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to study your word. And we thank you that the Spirit of God in us will grant it to us revelation and wisdom and insight into, into your word, Father, to teach us and to instruct us, Father, to lead us into the truth of your word. And Father, we give you the, the glory and the honor for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. We're about to finish up the chapter here uh, in Brother Balzer's book. Um, I guess we're in um, uh, chapter 13. And uh, I think this has been a good chapter because it's going through things that just he has observed uh, in his lifetime in the healing ministry, which, of course, he was involved in healing street healing ministry for many years traveled the world and saw uh, large uh, meetings, especially in Africa, you know, 100,000 people or more uh, in the meetings uh, for healing. And so, uh, you know, after a while, you just learn some things and you observe some things. You observe uh, the successes of people's lives and you, you observe some areas where uh, they had hindrances that if they could remove those hindrances, they could receive supernatural healing and that's really what this chapter is about things that uh, he had observed and um, um, recorded down from the experiences of his ministry so um, and of course we've looked up the scripture foundation for these things that he has observed and and so uh, but we're really on the very last uh, observation of his there are 22 in this particular chapter uh, in this observation it says that the the issue was uh, that there was a focus on improvement and not on God's promises. And so a lot of times what happens when people uh, are not well and don't feel well, uh, that they're believing God to be healed, they're believing God to, to recover, and then they see some improvement. Uh, and that improvement that they see then becomes the basis for their faith that God is going to heal them. Uh, instead of the Word of God being the basis for the faith, it's the change in their uh, sickness that they uh, then 
apply towards their faith that I believe that I'm getting better because I feel better. Uh, and, um, you know, it, it's fine really to observe that you're getting better. And um, although there is some hope in that, you, you can't uh, get to feeling a little bit better and then saying, well, God must have answered my prayer uh, for healing because then your faith is in what you observe. Your faith is in the natural realm. And you have to believe that God is your healer and that God has healed you. Uh, whether you feel any improvements in symptoms today or, or tomorrow or anytime, uh, you have to believe the faith of the Word of God regardless of the circumstances. And Because otherwise, then you're walking by faith, um, walking by sight, what you can see and observe as opposed to walking by faith. So walking by faith says I'm the healed of God uh, regardless if there's any change in the, in the circumstances. Uh, and so uh, that's really the issue there that uh, we exchange faith in the Word of God and faith in the power of God for faith in what we can observe. Uh, and and it's, you know, it's really for us to determine if we're doing that or not because um, it is nice to feel better. It is nice to have some sense that uh, this too will come to pass. But your faith has to always be in the, in the Word of God the whole time and not uh, in, the feeling, in the feeling better. Uh, and so it was just an observation that he'd had that uh, sometimes people focus on the improvements. Uh, and of course, some people refuse to believe God at all until they start to feeling better. And then, and then um, uh, in, in their minds, they say, well, I can't say that I'm healed if I still feel sick. Uh, and that's really due to a lack of training and lack of understanding of how the Word of God and how faith operates. So faith operates prior to any change in the natural realm. That's the whole intent of faith is to change the natural realm to line up with the Word of God. And so you have to believe that you're healed prior to being healed because that's the whole point of faith. If you wait until you're healed and then decide to believe God, there's no need to believe God at all anyway. So... Um, and this can be a point of contention, especially for those that are not generally part of the Word of Faith movement, that they feel like uh, the church that's involved in this uh, faith, that we're hypocrites or that, um, you know, we're deluded or we don't understand. In fact, the next chapter uh, and it goes through a lot about Paul's thorn in the flesh and, and uh, Brother Bosworth had, had some interesting interactions with some people who were very strong against uh, the idea of faith and really uh, the idea of faith as far as the healing goes uh, and were very adamant against him and said some really amazing things that uh, he goes through in great detail and looks at. So so that was really the last observation that uh, Brother Bosworth had uh, noted that uh, were hindrances to people's faith in obtaining healing. Uh, and, um, you know, one of the things that I would encourage you to do in, in all of your life um, the Bible never says that uh, we won't get symptoms and that things won't try to uh, try to attack us. Uh, but uh, we have to know that in every circumstance, regardless, we have the victory. And if we will train ourselves, especially in the times when things aren't serious, um, you know, a toe ache or, or a mild headache, um, it's good training for your faith to practice on those areas and practice during those times to obtain healing by faith um, because it uh, it's like faith is like a muscle like any other muscle it, 
that can be exercised and can be um, improved upon and, and can grow. The Bible says that your faith can grow exceedingly. Uh, and, you know, just like muscles will grow if they are exercised, you know, your faith muscle can grow, uh, will grow if it's exercised and trained in how to believe God, especially for healing. Uh, and, you know, I know some people that uh, are even involved in the faith movement, uh, but, you know, maybe because of their upbringing or background when it comes to sickness and disease, although they believe in the, the, the general theory that God heals supernaturally, um, most often than not, my observation was that they would uh, kind of uh, power their way through sickness and disease. They would just tough it out and, uh, and use really their, their own uh, willpower to not overcome it, but just maintain, you know, life through it. And they'd still go to work or still, you know, do the uh, assignments that they had to do. Uh, and so they never really obtained uh, or really used faith to overcome. They just kind of, man, uh, you know, man up, we say sometimes. And, uh, and you know, the problem with the mentality is um, it's not building faith. Uh, and so you shouldn't train yourself to have a strong will because your will, there's no supernatural ability in your will to overcome sickness and disease. And so if you've got a sickness and disease that's fairly mild, yeah, you can power your way through it. But if you get a sickness and disease that's, that uh, is terminal or that uh, will cause significant damage in your life, you can't will your way out of that. And, um, and um, you know, the, the um, uh, Christian scientists... You know, they believe that if you just say, well, well, there is no sickness, then by denying the reality of sickness, then that's how they obtain healing. Uh, and that mentality, although it's not quite that clear, clearly spoken in the church, but sometimes that mentality is in the church that if I don't talk about it, it'll go away. Uh, and even people in the world, you know, that they're afraid to talk about their sickness and disease, or afraid to acknowledge they have sickness and disease, thinking that, Acknowledging the sickness and disease will cause it to get worse or to uh, to not go away, and you know all of that is kind of philosophy and superstition, and uh, nothing wrong with saying that you know that these things haven't you know uh, like we said at the beginning of the service, Chris contracted um, COVID nineteen, and um, we're not glorifying the devil and saying that she had it's just a matter of record. It's not you know it's neither here nor there. It just it happened, uh, and uh, she will overcome it just fine, and she will recover uh, fully from it, and, uh, and in a speedy recovery. Uh, and that's our faith. That's what we believe, because that's what the Word of God teaches us. Uh, and so uh, denying uh, the, the reality of sickness and disease is not the same as faith. You know, believing that God's your healer is faith. Uh, and so um, the improvements that we... Uh, uh, gladly have in sickness and disease is not where our faith lies, though that God has healed us now because we sense an improvement in our in our condition. Uh, we need to believe that God that we're healed in the midst of our conditions, uh, and then all will be well. So those were the uh, uh, those were the many observations that Brother Bosworth had, uh, and uh, and so of course at the end of each chapter we go through questions. And uh, I've got a couple of folks here that uh, uh, will go through some questions and, and um, hopefully you have all these right answers. And if not, 
nobody will know about it because you're at home. And so uh, you don't have to uh, tell us next week if you got all these right or not. So although this is healing school, uh, we don't grade anything. So that's a pretty good setup right there. So uh, so the first question, of course, this goes back to the beginning of the chapter that uh, it's been a while since we started this chapter. Uh, but the first question says that the blank of faith cannot reach out and take from God what the blank of faith does not first see to be the will of God. Uh, so to all of our uh, live studio audience, you know, uh, do you guys know the answer to those questions? What's the, what the, what's the first, the blank of faith? The hand. The hand of faith cannot reach out and take from God what the, what the blank of faith. What's the answer to that one? It's been a while, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's the eye of faith. So the hand of faith cannot reach out and take from God what the, what the eye of faith does not first see to be the will of God. Uh, of course, he, that was early on in this chapter. And, and I just like the way that he said it because the eye of faith has to be able to see what the will of God is. You have to be able to read the word of God and see that it is the will of God for you to be healed. Uh, and, uh, and that it's that it's really the will of God for you to be supernaturally healed. Uh, you know, some people, uh, they will limit their faith to only to being healed by natural means, by a doctor, or by surgery, or by medication. And we're not, not opposed to any of the, of the above, uh, but the, the eye of faith has to first be able to see it. Because if the eye of faith can't see it, if you can't see that it's God's will for you to be healed, then you'll never reach out and receive and... and uh, uh, it says take from God or receive from God what the Lord desires for you. So you, you must be able to see that. And if you see that, then you'll be able to receive from it. And so that's always the first step. And that, of course, that goes all the way back to the beginning of the book where uh, Brother Bosworth talked about uh, that faith begins where the will of God is known. Uh, and so the second question is this. Uh, Many sufferers have prayed for healing for years without success because they have prayed the faith destroying phrase blank so what's the faith destroying fa phrase if. if it be thy will uh, and I like that the way he coined that the, the, the faith destroying phrase if it be thy will because that phrase in itself says I don't know what the will of God is therefore if you don't know what the will of God is then you cannot have faith for that thing because faith in God uh, must believe that what he said is so. And then if he said that uh, he desires for you to be well, then you believe that he wants you to be well. Uh, and so, um, but again, it's not in the mechanics of what you say, uh, because if you still believe that, that Lord, I don't know if it's your will, but you don't say those words, it has the same effect of still not believing God for anything. So um, be careful about uh uh, and on, uh, on Wednesday nights, we're studying the different types of prayer. And one of the types of prayer is the prayer of faith. And the prayer of faith never uh, contains the, the word if. Lord, uh, if it's your will, then do this. The prayer of faith says your will is this, and I receive that. Uh, and having searched the scriptures and studied the scriptures, we, you know, we can with great confidence declare that it is the will of God every single time without exception to be healed. Uh, there's never an instance where God doesn't want you to be healed. Uh, and if that's true, and, and, you know, there are some things, you know, you can argue about, you know, uh, uh, who the Antichrist is, what country they're going to come from, you know, 
which country is Gog and Magog, you know, and we can argue about that all day long. And nobody's going to know until the day it happens. Oh, yeah, that's what it mean, really means after all that. Uh, but healing is not one of those doctrines. It's, it's a very well-defined, very well-documented uh, doctrine in the Word of God. And the only conclusion that you come to um, uh, by studying that is that it's God's will to heal. In fact, uh, Brother Bosworth in, in the next chapter is talking about how, uh, especially people that don't believe in healing, you know, uh, they they had attacked him over the many years, and uh, but they never did they never did confront or or um, go through his doctrine and say you know you said this is true in the word of God this is why it is not true in the word of God uh, based upon other verses in the word of God they never would go through his doctrine and and state why his doctrine was wrong they would just attack him personally or call him a fanatic or. You know, just say unkind things about him, and he observed that many of these people, uh, in their preaching, will never preach any of the scriptures on healing, and so they kind of ignore that whole part of the Word of God, assuming that it's not valid any longer. So therefore, it uh, should be ignored. Uh, and I mean, that's like saying that uh, we should never study the Old Testament, even though it's been fulfilled by Jesus, and we don't do sacrifices anymore. We don't. We don't kill things. We don't have to uh, earn our righteousness by by good works. Um, and yet, it, it, there's still plenty of value in studying the the Old Testament. Uh, and so, it's the foundation of all that we believe. And uh, and so, there's many good things in the Old Testament. So, uh, question number three says: A blank church produces an atmosphere in which it is easy for God to work. Uh, anybody know what the answer to that question is? Faith, uh, faith church. Um, uh, the answer I've got is a spirit-filled and praying church. Um, and most of the time, of course, I haven't looked on this particular one, um, which I guess if you're a spirit-filled and praying church, you're a faith church, right? Mm-hmm. Most of these are just direct quotations from, from the book itself there. So, uh, But th- I thought that was a good point that uh, a spirit-filled and praying church produces an atmosphere in which it is easy for God to work. Uh, and that's, you know, one of the values in, um, in spending time in praise and worship uh, with the Lord uh, and spending time in prayer at church is, uh, you know, we want to be inviting to the Spirit of God. We want the Spirit of God to be welcome to come and move in our midst and in our behalf. Uh, you know, faith, just uh, garden variety, faith in the Word of God alone is, is sufficient always to obtain healing. Uh, but, you know, sometimes the Spirit of God desires to move in, in a spectacular way. Sometimes He desires to move in a supernatural way that's uh, where the manifest presence of God is there. And, and you always want to set your church up in such a way that um, that the Spirit of God has free reign to move on the behalf of the church and on behalf of, of the Christians uh, in the church. Uh, uh, and we thank God for obtaining everything that we desire by faith. But it's also nice sometimes just to relax in the presence of God and obtain healing by worshiping God. There's, uh, lots of times people get healed just by lifting their hands up and declaring how good God is and how wonderful He is. Uh, and so being in a spirit-filled and praying church uh, does produce an atmosphere uh, in which it's easy for God to work. That doesn't mean that He can't work anywhere. You know, He can work anywhere. There's hearts, people's hearts desire for Him to work. Uh, and uh, and he will find the smallest crack and the smallest uh, glimmer of faith 
uh, to work in any in every circumstance. And you know, there are plenty of people who uh, who uh, attend churches that the church, maybe the, the denomination itself or the church itself, doesn't believe in healing. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, I know lots of churches where they're sort of neutral about it. You know, they won't, they won't ever preach it or teach it, but they won't ever come out and say that they're against it. Um, although there are a few people who do, very adamant about it. But, um, you know, uh, and even in places like that, uh, I believe really in every church that there is, regardless of what the leadership uh, states as their foundation of what they believe or don't believe in, uh, that God has got people of faith in every church uh, because he, he cares about everybody. Uh, and, and so uh, we know lots of spies uh, that uh, attend such churches and, and um, it's the Lord's desire to help everybody. Uh, and so the next question is um, that uh, the age in which we live was intended by our Heavenly Father to be the most blank of all the dispensations. You know, the answer to that question it's quiet here. All right, everybody on Facebook has to raise your hand and give me the answer there. So uh, these, these were not intended to be difficult questions, but uh, uh, this chapter was a little unusual. So, uh, But the age in which we live was intended by our Heavenly Father to be the most miraculous of all dispensations. And if you look at uh, the ministry of Jesus and the spectacular miracles that he did, uh, and then... Um, you know, if you go back in the Old Testament and look at spectacular miracles of, of uh, people, you know, Moses was one of the best examples, maybe the best example of spectacular miracles. Maybe uh, second to him would be Elijah. Uh, and, you know, after Moses died, you know, Joshua picked up the mantle and uh, he did have some miracles, right? He did part the Jordan River. He did uh, have the sun stop, which is a pretty spectacular miracle, right? Uh, but the quantity of miracles that Joshua uh, did uh, was, uh, I guess it was probably a lot less than Moses did entirely. Uh, you look at Elijah and Elisha. Uh, Elisha actually, uh, if you document all the, the miracles that Elisha did, uh, he did about twice as many as Elijah because, well, he requested a double, double portion of the anointing. Uh, and But after both of those cases, after Joshua passed, and after um, Elisha passed, you know, the, the next generation immediately after that had significantly less miracles. Uh, and it was always uh, the intention of the Lord to keep these things going. And, and um, you know, for whatever reason, uh, men get a hold of things and forget the power of God, forget the move of God, and, and uh, these things fizzle. But after Jesus died, things exploded. And, and um, all the apostles were doing spectacular miracles. Deacons were doing spectacular miracles. Evangelists were doing spectacular miracles. Prophets were doing spectacular miracles. Uh, even additional apostles beside the apostles of the Lamb were doing spectacular miracles. And it was always the intention of the Lord that, uh, that we live uh, in a miraculous dispensation, that, uh, uh, that God now has the ability, and the reason why He wants us to be the most spectacular dispensation is because He lives in us now. And we are the carriers of the power of God, you know, the Spirit of God living on the inside of us. That Spirit is the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. That Spirit that lives in us is the same Spirit that created the stars in the sky. Uh, there, there's no reason why the church can't be the most miraculous 
power-driven organization in the in the earth by far. That this dispensation should be and could be the most spectacular, and yet uh, it seems as though we struggle in that area as a church as a whole. That um, uh, we we find it difficult to believe sometimes that God is really moving in spectacular ways. And, and uh, I, I think from the way that he started the, the church, that it was always the intention of the Lord that we are a supernatural organization. Um, and so uh, question number five says, some people defeat their own healing by making blank the basis for faith. And so we know the answer to this one. Doris knows the answer. <laughs> Doris knows the answer? Yeah. What's the answer, Doris? If it be thy will. Uh, on number five? She said the next answer after the last one. Um, Is it the next one after? Uh, let's see. Well, I don't know. That's not the, that's not the answer I have. What There's, about their feelings? Their feelings. That's the right answer for number five there. So uh, we'll, we'll give Doris credit for number five. <laughs> uh, it's just some people defeat their own healing by making their feelings the basis for faith, which is similar to the last uh, observation that the Brother Bosworth had, uh, that their feelings, how do they feel, uh, is whether they believe that they've been healed or not. And, of course, you know, we walk by faith and not by sight, right, not by our feelings. And don't get me wrong, it's definitely, it's definitely good to feel good, right? It's good to feel better if you're not well. Uh, someone who's not well, all they want is to be well. Uh, and so, um, question number six says that the literal translation of Mark eleven twenty two, which in the King James says, have faith in God, uh, is what? Have the God kind of faith. Mm. Have the God kind of faith, that, that's one of them. Uh, Brother Brothworth said that uh, it means to reckon on God's faithfulness. And maybe that's because he was a good Southern boy, I don't know. But reckon on God's faithfulness uh, is the literal translation of Mark eleven twenty two, 22. Uh, and, um, and so, you know, we should reckon on God's faithfulness. We should uh, uh, rest upon and rely upon God's faithfulness. Uh, and, uh, and really, you know, faith and faithfulness, uh, in fact, uh, in the New Testament, those are really the, two, the same word, often it's the same Greek word, and it's only by the context of the verse where we can distinguish that is he talking about faith or talking about faithfulness. Uh, because uh, if God is faithful, then we can have faith. Uh, and so that's why we have the ability to have faith, because God is faithful. Uh, and so... Um, Question number seven says that the full exercise of faith means that we blank faith, blank faith, and blank faith. So I guess you can fill in almost anything you want to in those three mm -hmm. blanks, right? So so what do we do with faith? Uh, Speak it. That's Believe one of them. It and receive it. Um, is that the answers that you had? <laughs> All the answers are at the church. Oh, the answers are okay. Like, Christianity is really good at this, so she doesn't have her answers in front of her. That's okay, mm -hmm. so. I should have I should have pre warned her that we're going to go over the answers. So <laughs> that's funny. Um, so I think oh, Chris is usually the A student here, you know, and but she left all of her answers at the at the church there. So all right, so we're going to have mercy then. Uh, so I'm going to stop thinking bad thoughts about my wife over here not doing well in the in the in the questions. Uh, it says that the full exercise of faith means that we think faith. We speak faith and we act faith. Uh, and uh, I think you got one of those three, right? Think, yeah. speak, and act. We think faith, uh, we speak faith, and we act faith. And you know, for, for me 
personally, I know one of the things that's always helped me is I do my very best to think like the Lord thinks, to think like the Word says. Uh, and, and, uh, and, you know, part of that is from the very beginning of my Christian walk, you know, I knew that God was a good God. And uh, if you believe that, see, then you can think that God wants to heal you. You can think that God desires good things for you if you know that God is a good God. Uh, and, and I always do my very best to think like the Word thinks. Uh, and so if, if God says, you know, Jesus said many times, you know, uh, people ask him, is, is, you know, if you can heal me and, you know, if you will, you'll heal me. And he says, of course I will. Uh, you know, that's, that's the way Jesus thinks, of course I will. Uh, and that's the way that I think, of course he will. Of course he desires to heal me. Of course he will heal me. Um, and that's a lot of times is the first, um, the first barrier to obtaining healing is, do you believe that God wants to heal you? Uh, to heal you specifically, right? Not, not just believing that God can, you know, I mean, that doesn't take any faith at all really to believe that God, the almighty, all-powerful God in heaven could heal you. Uh, that doesn't take any faith at all to believe that. But it does take some faith to believe that God will heal you uh, and that he desires to heal you. Uh, and so, question number eight says, uh, they fail to recognize that faith interprets the word of God as the blank of God. The will of God. The will of God. And, and um, uh, the answer that I've got is the voice of God. Uh, uh, and so that, that's a little stronger there, right? The word of God is the voice of God. And, you know, that that's to me is one of the most powerful um, uh, cases for never uh, never changing the word of God from what it says. Because if the Bible says that God is our healer, that I am the Lord that healeth thee, then for us to say that God no longer heals us, you, you're really saying that the voice of God is no longer accurate. Uh, and of course, you know, we're not trying to accuse people or, or be unkind to people, but so many times people say things casually that if they really thought about what they were saying, that they're saying that God has changed his voice, that his voice that was that came uh, and was spoken in the darkness of the world uh, to bring light to the, to the hearts of men, that that voice has changed and is no longer the, the, the light of men. Uh, and, um, you know, people wouldn't say it that way, but that's really what they say by saying, well, God no longer heals. They're saying that God's voice has changed and it's no longer the light of the world. It's only the light of small things and small parts of people's lives, but not in the entirety of men's lives. Uh, and so uh, question number nine uh, says, it is supposed to be the blank when one has been anointed for healing. And um, unless you know the answer to this question, you know, and if, unless you have the answer in front of you, you may not know the answer to this question, right? Um I guess I could have told you what section in, in the chapter that that question came from, right? But then you'd still have to find that section or read the whole section as I'm reading the question. But uh, the answer is, it's supposed to be the end of praying when one has been anointed for healing. Uh, and that's an area that I think would be helpful to people is, if you're going to believe God for supernatural healing, then you need to get to uh, train yourself so that uh, you don't... You don't uh, pray for healing or you don't uh, believe for healing until you're ready to do that right now. If you've done this a long time, that doesn't take you any time at all to get ready for that. 
But if you've never done that much before in your life, it's it's really better to to go read the Word of God again, to go study the Word of God again, meditate on the Word of God again until you're ready to declare that you are the healed of God. Uh, and really at that point, that that's a good time then, if you're not getting it on your own, to go into a prayer line uh, and to have uh, someone else anoint you with oil or to lay hands upon you, you know, allow somebody to help you uh, in your in your faith walk there. Uh, but that really should be the end of that point. From that point on, from that point forward, uh, until the healing is manifested, really then you should be in a, in a position of thanksgiving. That every time you think of your sickness and disease, every time it kind of rears up and flares up, uh, then uh, you speak thankfulness to the Lord. I thank you that I'm healed because so-and-so laid hands on me. Or I thank you that I'm healed because I was anointed with oil or um, uh, I thank you that I'm healed because I believed you that day, yesterday, that I'm the healed of God. So, from the, really from the point of the, the point in time when faith is exercised, that should be the the end of your praying as far as requesting healing, and should be the beginning of your thanksgiving uh, until you receive your healing. Uh, and and uh, uh, and it's helpful to. Uh, to stay in an attitude of thanksgiving because it helps maintain the faith of the, the end result that you desire. Uh, and so if you're believing God for healing, always be thankful that you are healed. Uh, be thankful that God has healed you, that God paid the price by His stripes for your healing. And so you're, you're not re-praying the same prayer, Lord, please heal me. You're thanking that He has done that and really that he's already done that back to the at the cross there by his stripes you were healed. Uh, and so you're maintaining an attitude of thankfulness uh, until your natural body lines up with the with the promise of the word of God that you are healed. And then the, the last uh, question uh, is about our friend Abraham. Uh, and it says, Abraham became strong in faith by looking blank unto the promises of God. Uh, anybody want to? Wager a guess on that one. <laughs> totally. Uh, totally. That's a, that's a pretty good guess. It's not what the the answer was, but uh, it's not a bad guess. Uh, but the answer is Abraham became strong in faith by looking continually unto the promises of God, uh, and so he never wavered. The Bible says uh, he never staggered at the promises of God. So he he was able to look at them continuously. Uh, as the promises of God. And, and of course, you know, if you remember, Abraham spent 25 years from the time the promise was made until the time the promise was received. And, uh, you know, he took a couple of detours in that time frame, right? Uh, Sarah wasn't in faith at that point in time. Um, you know, he spent time with Hagar, trying to see if perhaps that was God's way that he would answer the prayer. Um, and so if you remember, uh, there in Romans chapter 4, it says Abraham's body was now dead, not just Sarah's. And yet Abraham was, was able to go on and have Ishmael with Hagar. And so Abraham had gotten the faith to obtain healing on his part of it. But, you know, it took two people to have a baby, you know. Uh, I know scientists are trying their best to not have that, but uh, that's the plan of God. And, uh, and um, they're trying to figure out how to clone people, you know. And, uh, I mean, I guess that works because the theory is that uh, President Biden's been cloned, right? Is he, is he a real clone? I you know, I don't think he's a real clone, so. <clears throat> but, uh, 
It's home. You want to give me a cough drop? <coughs> so, <coughs> I guess we should be talking about clones, huh? Yeah. Yeah. All right, so that's our 10 questions there, and um, that's the end of uh, chapter 13 um, with uh, Brother Bosworth. Well, all is well. So, uh, and so we're really about to start to... Um, the chapter 14 here, the last chapter of the book that we're going to study, there is a 15 and a 16, but we're not going to go through those two chapters there. But chapter 14 is a, is kind of a long um, rebuttal about a common area that people believe um, about uh, Paul's thorn in the flesh. And, so, and really, I think Brother Bosworth has done one of the best jobs ever of kind of Going through that concept and, and understanding, you know what um, what people believe about that. So, <clears throat> all right. So he starts out. Let's open up our Bibles to the book of Second uh, Corinthians, chapter twelve. <clears throat> and so um, here, Paul is talking, and of course, he he has said. Um, uh, <clears throat> see, I'm gonna look up. Uh, uh, verse here real quick there while we're doing that. Um, <clears throat> Paul, Paul reads here in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starts in verse 7. It says, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, or three times, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for, for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for, distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. <clears throat> so this is the, the foundation for a lot of people believing that um, if we are sick, that God wants us to be sick. And, you know, the, the, the strange thing about it is, is if that's what you believe about these verses, you know, these verses, they're not really plain about that idea that God desires you to be sick. There's plenty of plain scriptures that, that says, I am uh, the Lord that healeth thee. That's pretty plain. Plain scripture says, by your stripes you were healed. Uh, plenty of scripture says he took your infirmities and bare your sicknesses. Those scriptures are very clear and plain that he wants you to be well. <clears throat> These verses are not plain and clear that uh, he wants you to be sick. Uh, and yet people use that. And this is really all they've got. You know, uh, here we'll, we'll read one other verse here after a while. <clears throat> they put these things, these, they put these two things together. Uh, and so... We're just going to go look at it a little bit, and then, then he goes through uh, what what uh, what somebody had writ, uh, written 
uh, on his behalf when he was preaching uh, these messages. Uh, but the, the very first part of it I thought is interesting. It says, unless that I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelation, there was given to me a thorn in a flesh, the messenger of Satan. <clears throat> and some people, you know, think that God makes them sick to keep them humble. Um, and so, you know, uh, if you look at that, that, lest he should be exalted above measure. Uh, and so, you know, nobody should be exalted above measure. Um, but, you know, the problem with that mentality is, number one, it's not what the Word of God says, right? Because if you go over to, to uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, it says in verse 6, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty, mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. So, uh, in fact, uh, you know, uh, Young's translation of that says, Be humble, then under the power, powerful hand of God, that he may exalt you uh, that he may exalt you um, in good time. <clears throat> so, you know, it's the Lord's desire to to exalt us. We're his children, after all. And um, but you know, the the point about, ex about being exalted is it's not something that we pursue. It's something that God does on our behalf. Uh, and so He's not opposed to doing that. In fact, He says right there in His Word that He desires for you to be exalted. And, and any time that uh, he invests great revelation in people's lives, uh, he will exalt them at some point in time if they stay in the correct attitude of, of humility, as they should. Uh, and so, uh, uh, so it, it's, it's really to start out and say, well, God was trying to keep Paul from being exalted. That's not true at all, because God desires for us to be exalted uh, if we're growing in the Lord and increasing uh, in our lives and faith, then he desires to, to elevate us uh, so that his word can go forth. And so, um, and then, you know, the second part of that is the messenger says the messenger of Satan and, and uh, why God has to use a messenger of Satan to, to, uh, to bring a message to us instead of, uh, instead of an angel of the Lord, instead of, you know, uh, instead of the, the Lord Jesus himself. Um, you know, there's no examples in the New Testament where the messenger of Satan came to somebody and said, I've been sent from God. Now, in fact, there's nowhere in the Bible that a messenger of Satan has come to somebody and says, I've been sent from, from uh, Almighty God uh, to, to humble you. Uh, and so, um, so you know, th those are just a couple of points there. And then um, the, the general idea of these verses is that Paul had... A, uh, 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 a condition, an eye condition of some kind. And so they take these verses here and they combine it with Galatians 4.15. So Galatians 14 says, Where is then the blessedness you spake of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and have given them to me. And so that's all it says. It doesn't say why they would have done that. It doesn't say you know, what the purpose of them doing that is just that's just all it says uh, and so people take those two things together and say Paul had an eye condition Paul had eye sickness and that it was debilitating uh, and they read all this stuff into it even though those are very generic things that are being said in both of these cases um, uh, and uh, really and nobody's going to pluck their eye out and give it to somebody uh, that's that's uh, we call that an idiom. It's just it's just an expression, right? That somebody would do anything they could to help you. Uh, 
Uh, and so uh, back in the day, apparently, when uh, Brother Bosworth was out preaching, uh, one particular minister had, had uh, written uh, a bunch of words down and printed a bunch of flyers and then delivered them to all the people's houses in the area that uh, Brother Bosworth was, was uh, preaching at. Uh, uh, and this was a minister that, who wrote these things, and this minister was saying these things to attack Brother Bosworth, and, and yet never attended any of his services, never, never met him personally, uh, and yet he was attacking him. And, um, uh, you know, people are still doing that. Uh, because you believe in healing, there are people who will attack you and say, you know, you're a horrible person because you believe in healing. And it's, usually it's because somebody they know has died and, and um, uh, they can't accept that either it just happened because of whatever reason or, uh, you know, they, they never accept any fault of their own. And, and I'm not saying it's always somebody's fault. It could just be because, you know, there's sickness and disease in the world. It's not because somebody is a bad person or somebody is in sin. It's because that the, the physical life left to its own devices will contract sickness and disease and will need to be healed supernaturally uh, to resist that. And so, uh, just a few things that that fellow wrote there. Um, he, he said, uh, the fact is Paul was sick. He was the sickest of men. He had one of the worst and most painful of oriental diseases. He had ophthalmia. Uh, uh, I don't know if that's the exact right way to pronounce that. Ophthalmia. A disease of the eyes. The proof that he had it is the proof that he had it is overwhelming. Overwhelming. You know, uh, the proof that God wants to heal you is overwhelming because there's hundreds of verses. The proof that, that Paul had a specific eye disease, so not just general eye disease, a specific known, he called it an oriental eye disease. I mean, I don't know, is there a specific, I mean, you know, are there oriental eye diseases? I don't know, but I don't know what that means, right? Uh, and so, uh, the proof that he had it is overwhelming. Based upon what? I don't know, you know. Uh, and that, you know, this is common that people will, will be so adamant about their doubt and unbelief, and they will declare as fact things that are just uh, nuances of the Word of God. Uh, like Paul said that uh, uh, that he, they would pluck out their own eyes, you know. Uh, and so, uh, he said, uh, uh, let's see, yeah, the overwhelming evidence um, is that portion of the verse of thorn in the flesh and, and a proverbial statement of Galatians 4.16 about they'd pluck out their own eyes, uh, which is really an idiom or just a, a, a saying, you know, I would do anything to help you. Uh, and and to say that a, a small portion of two different verses is overwhelming evidence of anything uh, is, uh, you know, is really a stretch. Uh, and so uh, the man went on to say that when Paul stood before Christians, that his eyes filled with unspeakable pus and unspeakable looking matter running down over his face. Uh, and, and, you know, that's such a stunning statement because um, there's no, there's nothing in the scripture that says anything like that. There's no evidence, in whether you go all the way to the book of Acts and look at all of Paul's ministry life or go into any of the epistles that he wrote. To say that uh, that uh, there was unspeakable uh, looking matter running down over his face, 
I mean, based on what? You know, there's no history for that at all. Uh, and so, um, you know, it, it's really, uh, from, you know, just from my perspective, it kind of borders almost on heresy of the worst kind by adding to the Word of God that this is that this is these things are a matter of, of uh, record and that they are overwhelmingly true. Um, he continues on to say, so why would they have gouged out their eyes for him except that uh, his eyes as he, as he stood before them were a pitiable and appalling sight to them as the eyes of anyone with that same disease, ophthalmia, are. The particular pain of this disease is that it is like a stake in the eyes. Uh, and, you know, the eyes are considered to be the most valuable sense. Uh, and, you know, if, if that was the general philosophy of mankind at the time, at least in that area, then to offer my eyes, you know, for your benefit would, would really to be offered the very best that I've, I've got for you. And it's not a statement that I would say, you know, I'd give my very eyes to help you, but I didn't live in that, uh, that uh, part of the world either. Uh, and so uh, that was just part of their culture that they would say, you know, we, we give up our very eyes for you. Uh, and he goes on to say that, uh, it is beyond dispute that Paul was a sick man. Beyond dispute. That's that's really an amazing thing. Beyond dispute. Um, in fact, we're going to go through and look at uh, Paul writes several lists of things that he suffered uh, while he was a minister, while he was an apostle. Uh, and uh, he never includes sickness and disease in those, which, you know, if, if he was talking about how, uh, you know, sometimes we like to brag, and of course he's, he talks about how this is just... Uh, uh, he's beside himself in doing these things, even even saying the things that he did say. Uh, but you know, sometimes we like if we like to say, well, all the things we've done through the Lord, or on the uh, on behalf of the Lord, and suffered on behalf of the Lord. You know, if uh, there's a lot of people who think that they've suffered physical disease on behalf of the Lord, and they'll be the first one to tell you that. Uh, and that's all they talk about. It seems like, and, and yet Paul doesn't even mention it. Uh, and so it says it was beyond dispute. Uh, that Paul was a sick man. He says so himself. Paul did not get this disease by infection. How did he get it? Jesus Christ gave it to him. That's an amazing statement. Jesus himself gave this sickness to Paul with no evidence in the Word of God. And I can't even imagine, you know, it was hard to even read those words, uh, much less to be the author of those words. Uh, And so he said, Paul did not want to be sick. Well, that is maybe the only true statement of everything this fellow had said. Paul did not want to be sick. No sick person wants to be sick. He prayed the Lord to heal him from the sickness. He prayed not once, not twice, but three times. And he says he received no answer to his prayers, which is really not true true at all, because the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for thee. That's an answer. That may not be the answer that, that you want, uh, but it's an answer, right? Uh, and so I don't even know how he came to the conclusion that God gave him no answer to his prayers. Uh, I'd be surprised if Paul uh, never received an answer to any of his prayers. Uh, you know, Paul was a man of faith. I believe he received answers to all of his prayers. Uh, and so uh, he says, uh, in spite of all his praying, he got no healing. Uh, and... and um, uh, he, uh, in spite of all, he got no healing. His thrice-offered prayer 
brought him no cure, not even the hint of healing. That is not all. The Lord said to Paul a very startling thing. He said, My grace is sufficient for thee. He tells Paul it is better for him to be sick than to be well. Uh, again, you know, that's just an amazing statement that he would, he would say that God's telling Paul that it's better for him to be sick than to be well. I don't know how you go from my grace is sufficient for thee to it's better for you to be sick than to be well. Uh, and and uh, uh, we just got a couple more statements here that this fellow made. Uh, he said, he tells Paul, it is the divine will he shall not be cured. He tells Paul divine power can and will operate in and through him better with the sickness uh, uh, and this ophthalmia than without it. He said that, that uh, God's power will operate better in him with sickness than without sickness. Uh, and, um, you know, I don't know if you've ever been sick or not, but if you've ever been sick, that's the last thing that uh, you feel like doing is doing anything, especially something as, as overwhelming as apparently this sickness was that he talked about. And so, um, uh, you know, common sense would tell you that God can surely work better in a well body than a sick one. And he says, Hear what Paul has to say in response to the Lord concerning his infirmity and the will of the Lord that he shall be cured of it. These are his words. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmity than the, the, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Uh, here is Paul saying just this, I will glory in my ophthalmia. My eyes may be full of repulsive discharges. I may be the object of pity. No matter, I will glory in it. I will rejoice in my sickness. Uh, and, and, and as we go through the study, we'll, we'll find out that you know infirmity was a generic term which meant uh, not only sickness and disease, but also weaknesses. And we're going to find out that in the context, in the context of what Paul was saying, and in the whole counsel of the Lord, he was talking about his own weaknesses and not sickness and disease that he was talking about. Uh, and uh, because we, we want to study the whole counsel of God and not just pick and choose, not have a conclusion that we start with. We want to do the research and find out, you know, what was Paul talking about before we make a conclusion. Uh, and so he said, Last thing that this uh, um, thing that the man said, he said, In the quivering flesh and painful suffering of his apostle, the Lord has written his divine protest against this unspeakable doctrine. The unspeakable doctrine is talking about the doctrine of healing. He calls it an unspeakable doctrine. This brutal, this brutal transmutation of the cross of Christ into a center of physical healing. So, he calls the doctrine of healing a brutal transmutation of the cross of Christ into the center of physical healing. That's a lot of $64 words and all that right there. Uh, and so, uh, and yet, uh, despite the fact that he uses all these $64 words, you know, the man, you know, the man has no, no business writing anything related to Christianity because you don't even know what he's talking about. And, you know, we're not trying to be unkind, but, uh, um, you know, he should be a burger flipper and not uh, not somebody who's trying to assist somebody in their walk with the Lord, because he doesn't. He's not even gone through, done the diligent work of, of finding out what the Word of God says before he speaks upon it. Uh, and it's a danger, you know. And the problem is, whoever did this, you know, he tried to influence hundreds of people, uh, hundreds of families that were in the area where Brother Bosworth was speaking uh, this particular message there. 
Uh, and, um, you know, just like with Paul, you know, Paul was out trying to destroy the church and find out after a while, you know, I've been on the wrong side of God this whole time. And people that, that are so adamant about uh, against healing will find one day that they have been against God the whole time. And it's unfortunate that they will have wasted whatever portion of their life in pursuing that uh, that agenda against the Lord. Uh, and um, hopefully they repent sooner than later, right? So we're going to stop there. We're going to look at detail of uh, these verses that Paul spoke uh, and um, uh, find out, you know, what, the, what's it, what does it say? Uh, where did he get these phrases, right? Because, you know, thorn in the flesh is such a common part of the Christian uh, vernacular, the Christian uh, words that we don't really think about where it came from. And so, you know, there is a root uh, of where these phrases came from in the Word of God that we trace and we can find and um, and we can see the context of how it was always used uh, and that uh, the conclusion then should be pretty simple uh, once we find that out. And so it's really a great study in the Word of God and it gives us a good way to... Uh, it's not about defending ourselves. I don't feel like I have to defend anything about the Word of God. It's sufficient. But as good students of the Word, we need to understand these things. It's good to us to understand uh, where these doctrines come from and what Paul was saying. So uh, we'll look at that. And, um, uh, and, and also, you know, you need to have confidence in the Word of God, too, because if Paul is saying that God wants him to be sick, you know, that would, would diminish our confidence in the Word of God because it seems as though everywhere else he's saying God doesn't want us to be sick, and yet here Paul sounds, seems like in a strong way that God wants him to be sick. And, and, and if we don't do the diligence of that, it'll, it'll be a conflict in our faith. And there's never, never a need to have conflict in our faith. We should always have uh, the, the consistent Word of God is the same throughout. There's no conflicts or contradictions in the Word of God. Even if we don't understand it, there are, no, there are none. And so why don't we pray and we'll thank the Lord for His Word today. So Father, we thank You for the Word of God. And Father, we thank You for blessing us and speaking to us and being good to us. And Father, we thank You that as we study Your Word diligently, that Your Spirit always speaks to us, Father, causes faith to rise up in our hearts. We thank You for that, Father. We give You the praise and the honor for these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, uh, 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 I sure have missed seeing everybody today. And um, we will be here uh, Wednesday night as well uh, and, uh, and plan to return back to church uh, next Sunday. So um, you all be blessed, and um, uh, we hope to see you here really soon. And uh, with 